0: This is the Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. This is a Q&A podcast episode. So, I'm going to dive right in here and these were chosen by Ironclad from the Danger Close podcast Instagram. So, thank you to everyone who reached out and asked a question and thank you to everyone who leaves five-star ratings and reviews because that certainly helps keep this going and it is sincerely appreciated. My next novel in the blood is coming out on May 17th and is available for pre-order now in hardcover, ebook, and audio read by Ray Porter, who read the last ones as well. So thank you for everybody who does those pre-orders. It is uh, extremely helpful and sincerely appreciated. All right, let's do this. Here we go. Would you ever consider a prequel to the Terminal List talking about James Reese's time as a SEAL and the missions he did, or maybe a prequel on other characters from the series? I do get this question a lot, and it is something I am thinking about. Um, But right now it's just in the thinking about stage. All right did your foray into the Intel world impact you as an operator? And I think you might be talking about when I went over to the agency for a little bit in 2006 in Baghdad, uh, as part of a covert action program that influenced true believer. Um, but, uh, I was still an operator in that role. So I wasn't really, um, in an Intel other than an Intel tactical Intel gathering capacity. Um, but it definitely impacted me as a, as a leader, as an operator, um, Obviously now as a writer because it influences a lot of what I write, um, but doing those operations in, uh, in in around Baghdad in 2006 was uh, was impactful. And uh, if you read the novels, then uh, then you definitely know that. But um, yeah, so just like anything else, it uh, it's a part of of uh, of my past, part of the foundation, and uh, makes me who I am today, or a part of it anyway. All right. If you were a policymaker, what changes would you have made at the strategic level post 9-11, following up until our departure from Afghanistan? Well, there's that Einstein quote. Well, it's not really Einstein's quote. It's attributed to him, um, but, it's, uh, but I don't think he really really said it. But uh, if you have an hour to save the world, spend 55 minute, minutes of it studying the problem and then five minutes trying solve it so i think we did the opposite both in iraq uh and in afghanistan but I like reading this book right here and i had this out from uh, i was going to mention it on tucker carlson the other night um i brought both of these i mentioned this one but with two minutes on those uh, on those shows it's so hard to get everything in this is the accidental superpower right here um and when we were talking about ukraine and uh, in true believer i have actually uh, an incident in there that is meant to um, be a false flag kind of operation so that Russia can invade Ukraine and put another person into power in Russia. But uh, I got that from the accidental superpower It was inspired by this. So I mentioned this on Tucker and I was going to, mention this because it was one of the the topics, Afghanistan and leadership today uh, was one of the topics that we didn't get to because in two minutes it's very hard to cover everything. But uh, for this question right here, that's why these two books are out by the way. But uh, The Great Game, Peter Hopkirk right here. uh, If our leaders had read this book, um, plenty of other ones out there as well to get a better understanding of Afghanistan. That would have been extremely helpful before committing U.S. forces. Um, So I guess that's the change I would have made is that our senior level um, uh, military leaders are uh, elected representatives. And I say representatives, not leaders, because they are elected to represent us uh, in in Congress and elsewhere. Um, And then. Course uh, unelected bureaucrats in uh, in positions as well. They have a they all have a responsibility as we do as an electorate to understand the nature of the conflict um, to which we're about to commit U.S. forces, uh, or even today, understand the nature of uh, the situation at a uh, strategic and diplomatic level, like when it comes to Ukraine. But, um, so those, what I would have done would have, would have changed the understanding of our senior level leaders so that, um, we could have flooded Afghanistan probably cause we took the wrong lessons from the Soviets, um, and committed more U S forces to the Tora Bora region in December of 2001. I think that is, uh, is probably the the biggest thing that I would, would have changed. All right, here. Uh, would love to hear about your approach to writing. Goal, number words of the day, a set time, or something else. Well, this is something I am trying to get better at doing um, because it, it requires me to say no to more things, and I'm trying to get better at that so that I can have a time during the day, let's say from uh, seven or maybe after I drop the kids off at school until noon or one where all I'm doing Is writing. Uh, Up until this point, I'm saying yes to interviews during those times. I'm saying yes to different podcast interviews for guests. Um, uh, So I'm being very flexible still as far as that stuff goes. Um, But I think I need to get to a point where I have a certain time each day where I don't do anything else except write. Uh, I do have a separate computer just for writing and I leave the other computer where I do the business stuff, uh, personal stuff in a separate room. So, uh, the one that's just for writing, it is connected to the internet, but that's just to get updates to word. If I didn't have to do that, then I wouldn't even have it connected to the internet at all. Um, but, uh, words of the day, you know, it can be, uh, usually people say about a thousand, but sometimes it's, 400. Sometimes it's 600. Sometimes it's 2,500. Um, but so a thousand is, is a good one. If you're, uh, if you're asking, if that's why you're asking, um, most people will say, Hey, a thousand is good. And, um, uh, that, that, and that is true. But what I've done thus far is sometimes I just go into essentially go into hiding and lockdown and I'm writing 2,500, 2,500, 2,500, uh, 3,000, 3,500. And then 900, uh, depending on how much research or where things go in, in the story. So, um, but, uh, but point being, I need to get better, more disciplined at the times that I write. So I'm not having to lock down for days on end to, uh, to do that sort of a thing. All right. You don't seem like a betting man, but if you were and won the lottery big, what charity would you start? And what kind of land cruiser would you build? I think I already did the Land Cruiser. Um, but, uh, and I think I already won the lottery just by being born uh, an American citizen. So uh, that's the, that's the lottery win for me right there, because we get to, uh, to choose our own path. We get to make our own decisions and uh, we have the options and opportunities uh, to follow our dreams. And a lot of countries do not have that obviously, uh, but we still do in this country. And that was given to us by people who sacrificed everything so that, uh, so that we could have those options and opportunities and freedoms, um, that, uh, that most of the world does not. So I figure, I figure I already won the lottery. Um, but, uh, there's so many great gay charities and foundations out there. Uh, I don't think I would add to them. I think I would support different ones that are already in existence, but if I did start one, it would be focused on families with special needs and what they need to do, uh, to set up, um, uh, financially for a, to take care of a child who needs full-time care forever. Cause that's the situation that, that we're in. And we kind of had to figure that out, uh, on our own. Um, and I guess we're still figuring it out, but, uh, something that's in place that lets you know, Hey, you need to start a trust. Here's some, uh, financial help or whatever it might be to get started. And here's where you need to go, depending on the level of care that you need. Uh, here's what it's projected to be X number of years in the future. That sort of a thing. So I think it would probably be around that, and there may be one that already already exists that uh, that does that that sort of thing. Let's see, what would your top three books you have read be that are, in your opinion, should be made into movies? Uh, I thought about this a lot, being a, a child of the '80s who was reading all these books uh, my whole life, and then thinking about who would be the person to play so and so, and I hope they make this into a movie. So, um, of course, Brotherhood of the Rose. One of my favorites by David Morrell, the author of First Blood, who created that character Rambo in 1972. And First Blood has not been out of print. And this year is the 50th anniversary of First Blood. Wow. Amazing. Um, incredible. But uh, let's see. Mm. So Brother of the Rose, that would be amazing. It's already a miniseries that um, aired after the Super Bowl. Um, I forget what year in the 80s that did, but it was a two, uh, I think a two-parter. Um, and I it's on Betamax somewhere in my mom's attic in a box. So I can't wait. To, I need to, to find that again and watch it. But uh, it'd be cool to see an updated version of Brotherhood of the Rose. That'd be amazing. Uh Daniel Silva series, of course, would be incredible. Uh Stephen Hunter's series, more more movies with Bob Lee Swagger uh in them. Um, those would be great as well. I always thought it would be a, incredible to have a movie of last of the breed, uh, by Louis L'Amour. So that's, that's kind of 80s centric if you did it exactly the way it is written. Um, but man, that would have been so cool. I really can't believe they didn't do that back in the, uh, the, uh, let's say 1987, 88, 89 timeframe. Cause that would have been awesome. Awesome. Um, so you could modernize it, I guess, or you could, uh, you could modernize it, but man, it would have been so cool to have that kind of during the cold war years and, and, uh, and do that true to form. That'd be amazing. Uh, most dangerous game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be cool. Of course it was already a movie, uh, silent film, from, uh, from back in the day, you can find that one still. And then it's been been remade in various incarnations over the years, a uh, uh, host, of, host of different uh, different movies, but uh, with Most Dangerous Game as its, as its baseline. And of course, uh, if you've been reading the novels, you know that it inspired Savage Sun So when I read that book, uh, uh, or the actually it's a novella, um, Most Dangerous Game back in sixth grade, I always knew that one day I would write a modern thriller that paid tribute to that story and uh savage Sun was it let's see hey jack love the books and recommend them to everyone i have two questions have you ever thought about spinoffs in the terminalist universe and two any news at the teaser for the terminalist tv show so i have thought about spinoffs and we shall see uh and two about the teaser coming soon actually by the time this drops there may be a teaser out there already actually it's called the first glimpse so first there's a first glimpse which is like. 15 seconds, 20 seconds. Uh, Then there's a teaser, which is like a minute. And then there's a trailer, which is like two minutes, I think. This is my first time down this path, but um, those are coming soon. And I'm sure I'll post about them. So stay tuned. When creating a scene in the novels, how do you build it up? Take the LA ambush in the terminal list, for example. Did you create the ambush on Reese and Katie itself first and then focus on the environment around it? Or did you create the environment first and have Reese and Katie navigate their way through that environment? Um, I think a little bit of both. I'm thinking back to in the blood cause it's the most, uh, most recent, uh, in memory. Um, and I think the way I do it is I think that, Hey, there's going to be an ambush. Uh, where is it going to take place? What state, uh, or what country? Okay. What city, what area, uh, what can I use? How can I use that terrain? Uh, who are the people involved? What weapons would they use? What would be uh, appropriate to the person, to uh, the military unit or the paramilitary unit? Um, and I have all that go into creating uh, a scene like an ambush. So uh, in the case of the terminalist in the uh, uh, in the ambush on Reese and Katie, uh, I think I had the scene first and then thought about how um, that assassin would attempt to take them out. So, um, but I think, so I think it's a combination of the two. Yeah. I never thought about it in those terms though. Are you planning a book tour for in the blood? Yes. Stay tuned. How do you keep an adventurous spirit in your children when everything seems to want to absorb their attention, video games, cell phones? I know it's so difficult. Uh, uh, I struggle with that just like every other parent out there probably. Um, but I try to take the kids to places where there is no cell service. Um, like, uh, river canyons, we try to go on at least one river trip a year, try to get out there hunting in places where there is, uh, no connectivity. So I do, uh, I do try to do those things. I am cognizant of it. And I wish I could do a better job. Uh, I was reading to all the kids in their cribs from like the day they were born. If I was around, if I wasn't deployed or I wasn't on a training trip somewhere. Um, but and you're right there are a ton of distractions out there a lot more than there were for those of us growing up in the 70s 80s and 90s um but and it's something to something to think about and i think as far as reading goes which is the most important thing we can uh we can pass on to our kids or at least one of them that helps build them as citizens um is uh i think audiobooks might be might be their gateway Kind of their their gateway into reading physical books, I think, just because of the, how they're growing up so connected. So, um, nothing to back that up. Just a just a thought. All right, for someone just getting into rifles, MOA or Mills Mills. And uh, I'd head out to Thunder Ranch and take one of their courses, or I would go to FTW Ranch um, uh, for one of their uh, hunting courses down there, uh, because you will walk away with a very clear understanding of your capabilities and limitations with your chosen rifle, scope, uh, setup, ammunition. Um, uh, And that's important to know your capabilities and your limitations. So, uh, and if anything's messed up with your scope choice and your reticle choice and your ammo and all the rest of it, you get to figure it out there so that when you do take that rifle, wherever you're going to take it, whether it's a hunt or, uh, to the range, whatever it is, um, that you know what it can do. You're confident, um, with your skills. So, um, I would highly recommend doing those things. What do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, I guess, uh, our children, um, because it's the hardest <laughs> of anything that I've ever done is, uh, is raising those kiddos. Um, so I think, uh, I think that would, I don't know if it's an accomplishment or not, but it's uh, it's certainly a journey. Let's see. What would be your ultimate expedition? Oh man. Ultimately. There's so many things that I want to want to do. Um, when I was in high school though, I, I think I read about someone or a team of people, uh, sea kayaking around Iceland. I always thought that would be pretty cool to do. Um, I forget if they made it or not, but anyway, um, I think that'd be really cool to do, but, uh, there's so many different things and it's just a part of the journey of life. There's not like one thing that I have to do or this, it's just a journey. And, uh, and I love doing things that, uh, that require some, uh, some travel require some discomfort. Uh, I love going on the ground uh, hunting because you learn so much uh, about the area that you are traveling in. Um, people, area, animals, makes you a better hunter back here in the States. So, uh, so I do, I do love that. Let's see here. How do you start preparing for an interview or conversation with an author? Uh, well, if I haven't read their book, uh, I'll read it. So thus far I've read every book, uh, that, uh, for the authors who have come on the show. Um, and but I don't know if that's possible to, to do that forever. I might have to skim or, or, uh, uh, just talk about their books in general at some point, but up to this point, anyway, I've read all their books. If they had like 20 or something, then I obviously didn't, I read their most recent one. Uh, or if I've already read their others, obviously that helps. And that's been the case, uh, with many of the authors who I've had on, uh, I've already read their stuff. So I just kind of brush up on some background. Uh, a lot of the times I'll go through the book as I'm reading and I'll put little yellow sticky notes in there, um, with a little number on them. And then next to a question, I want to ask about a specific passage. So I'll have a uh, notes written down and Hey, read uh, sticky note. Number one and ask this or something along, along those lines. Let's see. I think you've mentioned teeing up some stuff that will allow you to expand the Reese Ooh, Reese verse. I love it. Receivers. It's a whatever. I love it. That's awesome. Beyond James Reese alone in the future, is there anything you can share about that? Perhaps Reese Senior, Tales of the Hastings Family. Mm, not quite ready to share anything yet, but it is, uh, it's definitely on the list of things I want to explore. All right, let's see here. Since you're a hunter and you've posted many times of cooking, grilling dinner, can you rank your top five favorite meals in a specific cut if possible? And favorite way to prepare each? Man, that's a lot. Um, I've posted about a few of them, but uh, let's see. Obviously, tenderloin, backstrap. Uh, sometimes just seared in hunting camp, and a, uh just a little, little uh, olive oil, salt, pepper, just seared on the stove. Other times, seared on the grill. Like that's just awesome. Um, I love. I, have a, I do have a uh, one restaurant quality meal with halibut that I, that I make that I posted about. I think you can find it if you, uh, if you scroll, uh, through the blog section of the website, but I do, I do like that. Go try to get up to, to, uh, Canada, Northern British Columbia to go salmon fishing, halibut fishing each, uh, each year. It's been with COVID didn't go for the last couple, but hope to get up there maybe this summer or the next summer. But, um, but yeah, so there's, so that love that one. Um, you know what there is, if you have not tried, the Flip Flop So Andy, uh, he has this incredible marinade and this way to prepare and cook a whole leg. So next time you go out there, uh, take a mule deer leg or whatever it is, and he has this way that he takes a makes a brush out of rosemary, and then you're cooking this whole leg and you're brushing it with the marinade with the rosemary um, broom uh, as you go, and then you're slicing off pieces of the leg, and it is. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. You can go, yeah, definitely check out his website. Uh and you can actually buy a leg from uh, Maui and it's Access Deer Leg. And you can get it through the flip guy.co. And you can uh, there's videos out there of him doing it. And you can get his marinade and awesome. Absolutely awesome. So I think that's uh that's a, what was that three? Those three. So we'll go with those, those three. Those are the ones that, that pop immediately to mind. Um oh bear tacos. Bear meat tacos, incredible. Um, and then we use, of course, a ton of uh, kind of ground uh, meat for for taco, other tacos and lasagna, spaghetti for the kids and that sort of a thing. Um, not just for the kids. I like spaghetti too. Cool. All right, that was five. Nice. All right. Thank you for your time. Doing the head of the snake, killing UBL. What kind of emotions did this interview bring up in you? It seems very personal. Talking with your close friend. It was. Yeah, it was. It was talking. Uh, emotional talking to him uh, because without him we might not have a um, diagnosis on our middle child Uh, so that all came about because uh mark owen uh I knew somebody who knew Ross Perot who called me out of the blue and flew us out and put a team of genetic specialists together in Dallas uh, and figured out what was, uh, what was going on with our, our middle child. So uh, that was very helpful. And we talk about that in the, in the interview. So uh, you can go check that out, but yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, personal. Uh, and I feel the honor that he uh, he sat down to to talk about these things with me. All right, let's see. What do you think of seals writing nonfiction books about their missions? There seems to be a lot of controversy about seal books and the bin laden raid yeah we talk about that a little bit in uh on that podcast as well it's a four-part series you can go and check it out um but we do talk about that and yeah i love those not just seal non-fiction books but uh any first person account of warfare growing up um there were, were uh books about Vietnam. There were books about World War II, Korea. Um, So I think it's important to have those first person accounts, but they should be read as, hey, that person's perspective. And, you know, that's what it is. It's through the lens of that person. If they're telling the story and it's a first person account, um, that's their perspective. So, uh, but I think today, more than any other probably time in our history, kids need people to look up to uh there's so many influences out there they're getting bombarded daily um uh, on all these social channels and obviously big tech companies have uh, have an agenda of things they want these kids to see uh and to influence their thinking and behaviors but uh if you have a book written by someone let's say who's on the, the bin laden raid or uh, medal of honor recipient um, uh, there's a few of those out there uh, those accounts i think are invaluable because they inspire that next generation. Um, and you know some will be well done, some will not, and that's just, you know, that's fine. Um, but the, the important part is that these histories are written down, they're looked at as that person's perspective, and uh, they inspire that next generation. So um, yeah, there, there's controversy in the SEAL teams, but interestingly enough, when a lot of people get out, they change their tune, <laughs> because some of them are senior level officers who then go on the speaking circuit um and have deliverables that they hand out uh so anyway it's very interesting to see that um uh so for whatever it's worth uh oh controversy hey yeah there's uh you know in combat there's going to be different perspectives on things there's going to be confusion uh there's chaos for those of you who have been in in combat especially at night on nods uh in gunfights you know that it's uh can get a little, little chaotic. So, um, that question was specific. So I have the utmost respect for everyone who loaded those helicopters and flew into Pakistan on, uh, on that mission, just, uh, because most of them thought they they were not coming back or the odds of them coming back were, were not the greatest. So, uh, utmost respect for, for all those guys. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, do you ever get a case of writer's block? If so, how do you go about combating it? And I, don't get writer's block because I can't afford to have writer's block right now. There's so many things going on, three kids, wife, dog, move, just had the holidays, chaos all the time around here. Um, so there's really not an opportunity to sit down and have writer's block. Uh, maybe someday I will, but I like what Stephen Pressfield says about this. And Stephen Pressfield, uh, of course, wrote Gates of Fire, Legend of Bagger Vance, Afghan campaign, um, incredible guy. And he wrote a series of books on creativity. Uh, the first one's called the war of art. There's turning pro authentic swing, uh, just, just in, such a great guy. We've become friends over the years, but I heard him say this once and it might be in one of those books or it might be in an interview, but, uh, he says, you don't hear about a truck driver having truckers block. You don't hear about a dentist having dentist block. You're a writer, you're professional sit down and write. And, uh, so for me, I've just always thought of it in those, in those terms. Uh, so that plus really not having the time to sit around and be like, Oh, I have writer's block today. No, I'm a writer. I sit down and I write. That is what I do. Um, and he talks about that in turning pro as well. And actually, as I was flying to Mozambique uh, right after I got out of the military. So the first book was done. I had not submitted it to Simon and Schuster yet, but I was still writing true believer because I remembered the story about John Grisham and John Grisham wrote a time to kill first. He couldn't give that book away. Then he wrote the firm. And that one took off. Then A Time to Kill gets reprinted. And of course, Matthew McConaughey stars in that movie. Tom Cruise stars in The Firm. And John Grisham is off to the races. And we've had a legal thriller or uh, he's branched off from legal thrillers, though. Um, We've had a book from John Grisham or two every year since then. So I always thought about that, uh, that, hey, if he'd stopped after A Time to Kill, we wouldn't have the firm. We wouldn't have the client. We wouldn't have any of those other books over all these years. Um, so he might still be practicing law somewhere uh, and thinking about if he had, should have written that next one. So I always knew I was going to write too. And uh, on my way to Mozambique, they had a uh, customs form and it said uh, occupation. And I wrote writer or author, I forget which, I have a picture of it. So i took a picture with my phone. That's probably on the cloud somewhere, but uh, I was a, I was, I'm not a professional soldier anymore. I am a professional writer. And uh, in my head, I think that, uh, that really, really helped things. So um, yeah. How do I go about combating it? I just don't get it. Just wanted to say a quick thank you to Navy Federal Credit Union for taking such good care of me and my family over the years. I've been a member since 1996, right there. There's my Navy Federal Credit Union cue card right there. So yeah, been a member for quite some time now. They've done a fantastic job with me and my family. And I know that investing and saving can be stressful and Navy Federal Credit Union takes that stress away. A lot of educational materials and they can help you get on track in 2022 when it comes to saving and investing. So go to navyfederal.org backslash save and invest. Trust me, you won't regret it. Thank you so much to Sig Sour for jumping right on board out of the gate to make this podcast possible. Obviously, I am a huge Sig fan, having carried the P226 on every deployment downrange in the SEAL teams. Uh, But Sig was a supporter, they were friends well before I was a New York Times bestselling author, uh, well before I even had an Instagram account or any social media presence whatsoever. So Thank you guys all so much. Uh, Ron, Tom, Jason, everybody at SIG who gets up every day and continues to crush it and lead the way. SIG is always adapting. They're always at the forefront, whether it is firearms for citizens, whether it's firearms for our military, ammo, suppressors, optics, training, fire control units. They are doing it all, and they are always pushing pushing that envelope and trying to do it better each and every day through innovation and adaptation, they crush. So thank you so much for that friendship and support. Uh, It will never be forgotten. Welcome to the gear highlight portion of the danger Close podcast. Instead of knives or guns or bullets or things like that, I want to talk about a book and right here, this is once an Eagle by Anton Meyer. And this is my most gifted book. It means I give it to people more than I give any other book, um, my most recommended book. And it's one that is very special because I used to give it to uh, junior seals that were starting their time in uniform. And I would give it to people who I, I thought would appreciate it. Um, and what I did was write a letter and I put that letter in the front cover here. And in that letter, I just teed up why I was giving them this, uh, this book. Uh, and I tell them in that letter, that, hey, at the end, there's another letter that's taped shut to the inside of the back cover. And in that letter is my perspective on what they just read and not wanting to pollute their reading experience ahead of time. So, but in order to get to that one, they had to read the entire book. And as you can see, it's pretty thick. So you can use this thing as a doorstop if you need to. You can use it as a blunt impact weapon if you need to. So it's, uh, you know, multiple uses. For this thing, but it is a really it's historical fiction and follows two people from before World War One up to Vietnam. And they one is enlisted, gets a battlefield commission in World War One, and he's just a little bit behind the person who is an officer the entire time. And it's really a case study in leadership. And yes, you'll learn things about World War One, World War Two, um, the interwar years there. And but it is a case study. In leadership. And you might, uh, if you read closely, if you know this book and you read The Terminalist closely, you uh, you might have recognized a little nod to this book right here, Once an Eagle. And if you pay close attention in The Terminalist series starring Chris Pratt coming July 1st to Amazon Prime Video, then uh, keep an eye on his bookshelves because you might see this along with a couple others. So highly recommend this. Uh kids uh, depending on reading level, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, but uh definitely high school, definitely college, definitely post college. Um or if you haven't read it, then read it for sure, but it is a, uh, a great book to read as a primer for those entering the workforce or starting their path down a uh, certain, uh, into a certain profession or an apprenticeship or something like that. Because once again, it is a case study in leadership. And one of its main lessons is to see to your character and your reputation will take care of itself. Um, so that's a uh, I think it's a valuable lesson for anyone. So once an Eagle by Anton Meyer, read it. Thank you so much for joining me on the Danger Close podcast, an ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. Thank you to everyone who leaves ratings and reviews. It uh, means a ton. It is super helpful. And thank you for everyone to everyone who pre-orders copies of the novel. So In the Blood is coming May 17th and is available for pre-order now. And those pre-orders certainly help. And they are a 100% appreciated. So thank you so much for everything. Take care. Stay safe. Be strong. Keep fighting. Get your podcasts.